for revision on the rescue plan. Well, we gotta hurry. I got a manicure in 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't you love the Sanders? A little bit over the top, aren't they? But there's truth in what they were communicating about our American culture. Right now, we're in a series entitled Monopolized. And the question is, who has a monopoly on your life? Who's in control? Is it God or is it money? God or money? Well, today we're talking about uh, how to get out of jail. How to get out of jail. Remember playing Monopoly and ending up in jail? How do you get out of jail when you're in Monopoly? Well, you're in there for three turns, and every time you roll the dice, and you have to get what? Doubles. Doubles to get out of jail. Or, uh, oh, let's go to the first one here. This is the jail uh, space you don't want to land on. Uh, and then uh, you also might go to jail if you get a uh, go-to-jail card. Now, this is from 1936. I know that impresses you, doesn't it? I mean, this is one of the originals. Uh, chance to go. I like it how they state it. Go directly to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200 like we're going to uh, assume the worst, I guess. Uh, so now notice this. This is Mr. Pennywise. That's his name. And they're, they're hauling off the jail. Look what jail does to him. Okay, look at that. Look at Mr. Pennywise now. He's, he's turning into some type of evil person. I don't know if they're not feeding him or something like that. I never noticed that on the Monopoly board before. But when I get real close up, you, you see, yeah, that, that's not good to be in jail. And uh, But you can get out of jail also by getting this card. Now, it turns back to normal again. Uh, you get a jail-free card. Right? Now, being in jail in Monopoly is frustrating. But uh, it's a lot worse to be in financial jail, to be in financial jail, to be struggling with debt, to uh, just wake up every day and that's the first thing you think about. Now, how are we going to pay the bills? And you're just thinking way too much about money and you're too worried about money and you're thinking about it every time you go shopping you're saying, how are we going to pay for these things? And then you have the temptation of still spending too much. And uh, maybe it's gotten to the point where you have people calling the house. And uh, there's just a pressure there. There's, there's financial pain. It impacts your relationships, especially your marriage relationship. Uh, in the first seven years, 90% of people state that uh, finances were a key issue in regards to why they ended the marriage, or really it's a value issue, but it's manifested as it always is in money. Uh, it's such an incredible weight, the financial pain that we can experience. Let me just say a few things about debt first, about what the Bible has to say about it. And that is, the Bible says it's not a sin to take on debt. But everything that's said about debt, it's a warning. It's saying be very very careful. Be very cautious when using debt. Now, some of us fall into debt, no choice of our own. We uh, maybe have a loss of a job. That certainly would send us into debt. Or possibly uh, we have a medical problem that sets us back. Or some type of other financial hardship. But the majority of Americans choose to get into debt. 
They choose to. And what they do is we're taught to, to live to the extreme, to continue to upgrade our lifestyle and live beyond our means. And, of course, that leads to death. And that is a very bad choice, even though our culture tells us that that's something that we should do. In this auditorium with a congregation this size, uh, certainly there's a number of people here who are in despair financially. And I know so many people have lost jobs and so many financial downturns in their lives. And it's a very difficult subject to speak about. It's very sensitive. Uh, Some people... Uh, well, a lot of people are in a hole. It might be a small financial hole or it might be a very deep financial hole. And I'm here today. My passion and my desire is just to challenge you guys uh, to uh, take that first step to get out of debt. And I know some of you are saying, Dan, it's, it's too far gone. Nothing is too far gone. God is a God of miracles. He's a supernatural God that can do supernatural things uh, in your lives. And, and when you're struggling with debt, uh, it, uh, it takes a long time to get out of debt. And it takes a lot of effort. It might be the biggest thing you ever do in your life. You have to, again, trust God uh, for more than anything. You've got to be more disciplined. It's easy to get into debt, right? I mean, we're always told to get into debt. But to climb out of debt takes the power of God. But, friends, so many people have done it. And so I just want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to inspire you today. My main goal is to challenge you to take the first serious step in getting out of debt today. This is your decision day. If you haven't made the decision, maybe you made that decision two years ago or ten years ago, whatever. That's great. Continue on. But if, if you just kind of toying with the idea, yeah, I should do something about this, but it just kind of, you know, you kind of don't think about it, you're in denial. Open your eyes today. Wake up. Because every day that goes by is going to create more financial pain in your life. So let's uh, dive in here and take a look at uh, why we get in debt in the first place. The first reason is we worship stuff. We worship stuff. Uh, Let's look at this verse. We've looked at it before a couple uh, weeks ago. Matthew 6.24, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve both God and money. Now, we understand worshiping God, but what is worshiping money all about? Well, worship is when... You devote your heart to something. Worship is where your heart's desire is. Again, we talked about your treasure following your heart. So so whatever you really put at the number one place of priority in your life, that really is worship. That's where your money is going to go. You can look at your checkbook. You can look at Quicken. You can look at your calendar, your time, and your money. Where are they flowing to? That tells you what's most important in your lives. You, you can't serve both God and money. Let me show you some things that money represent. When you worship money, you get less. Okay? You get less. First of all, uh, lifestyle. People worship having a certain type of lifestyle. They're always trying to upgrade their lifestyle, and that's going to lead uh, to financial pain with debt. Or they worship 
experiences. Experiences. For example, going out to a restaurant is a great experience. Going to a movie. Uh, all types of entertainment. Going on a vacation. Now, all those things are good, but they become bad when you're doing it, when you really don't have the money. But some people worship that stuff, so therefore they go into debt over it. Some people worship stuff. We've talked a lot about that over the last couple of weeks, possessions uh, that we have. And some people worship security. They worship security. They just want a lot of money in the bank because they want to know that if anything goes wrong, they have the money. Now, you'd think, well, that's good. Well, it all depends upon the motive. If they're thinking, well, I can't trust God with this particular thing in regards to taking care of me, so I'm going to trust myself, well, that's wrong. That's sinful. So they're still worshiping money. So bottom line, either you're going to put your total trust in God, you're going to devote your primary energies toward developing a relationship with Jesus and enjoying that relationship and all the riches that He has for you, or you're going to worship money, lifestyle, experiences, stuff, and security, and you are going to get less. Let's take a look at uh, what God's plan in Scripture is for our money. He wants us to do three things. He wants us to first give and then save and live. Give money, save money, and then live on money. The first thing He wants to do is for us to give, on, give money. We look in the Old Testament, and the Israelites were commanded by God to always give first fruits to Him, the first fruits of their crop. Whenever they had a crop, the first portion of it went to God. Why is that? Well, He wanted them to remember that He was a source of everything, that everything came from Him. It wasn't because they worked hard or things worked out with the weather, it was an agricultural society. No, no, no. Everything was from God. So you bring it first to me. You recognize me as the source of all good things. And they were told to bring the first lamb that was born. And at that sacrifice, they were told to dedicate their first child to the Lord. First was a big deal in the Old Testament. And it should be a big deal with us because that's where we need to start. We've got to turn our head around and look at what God has to say, not what the world has to say, and say, okay, God says that everything comes from Him and that I'm managing His resources. So when I uh, uh, get my uh, uh, income uh, from my job, uh, the first check that I write, my first transfer that I'm going to do is, is going to be to God. I'm going to give to Him and say, God, I love you so much. Thanks for giving me all this stuff to manage at 10%. That's nothing really when you think about it, right? We, we believe that the Bible teaches that you should tithe. A tithe means 10%, that you should give 10% of uh, your full gross income. And some people say, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> Again, if it all comes from Him, right? And when you honor God first, well, He is going to honor you. He's going to take care of your needs. So the Old Testament is very specific about the tithe. And in the New Testament, well, you're going to want to give more than the tithe. You want to be a generous giver, so it's 10%. 10% to whatever God wants to do uh, or leads you to in your life to give. So the first thing you do is you give. You acknowledge God. You honor Him. The second thing you do is you save. Now, we're always presuming upon the future. We always think that life is going to go well. Even after the last four years that we have been through in this country, people still are presuming upon the future. You think that we'd all get it. Hello, wake up. Things can go south very quickly but people continue in the patterns that they've had since childhood. 
And they continue to spend. But we're to be saving money, not so that we can depend upon it, but in order that we might be wise. Because you never know what life is going to throw at you. So, God says save money. And then live on the rest. There's a very simple formula. You need to teach your kids. You need to remind yourself about you give, you save, and you live on the rest. That's how you determine your lifestyle. After you've given and you save, and then you live on the rest. What our world teaches us is just upside down. What does our world teach us? It says, first of all, you need to live. You need to create this wonderful lifestyle for yourself. And after that, if you have money left over, well, you certainly need to give something to the church. You need to be, uh, again, uh, generous toward people. Uh, indeed. And then if you have money after that, you can actually save it. That's what the world tells us. And again, it's destroying our country. It's destroying our marriages. It's destroying individuals. This type of thinking, of course, it was all created by Satan, right? He's a designer of the world and this culture, and he wants us to do whatever the opposite of what God asks us to do. Uh, our culture is one of uh, instant uh, gratification. It's a one of experience it now and pay later. Now, we have got to move beyond that to what God has to say about our lives. So we worship stuff. That's why we get in debt. The second reason is our training, our training. Now, when you were younger and you were growing up, did you receive any training handling your finances? I talked to my boys, uh, they go to Jacobs High School, or two of them graduated from Jacobs High School, and I asked my boys, uh, did you receive any training? And one of them said, well, they taught us how to reconcile a checkbook in business, but that's all they could remember. Now, I know their high, other high schools are different, but they couldn't remember any type of formal training. When you think about finances and how it's so much a part of our life and impacts so many different things in our life, you'd think that they do some training, but really... We as parents have the responsibility to train our children. That's our primary responsibility, to train them in all areas of life, and one of those is finances. So the question is, have you trained your children in finances? Or let's go back another generation. How did your parents teach you? Did they really teach you how to manage money? Now, they taught you whether you liked it or not in an informal way. Because just like with everything else in life, you watch them. They modeled. They taught you how to do life. They taught you how to do finances. Now think about your parents. How did they manage their money? Did they save or not save? Did they budget or not budget? Did they argue? Did they have different values about money and never come to an agreement about that? Did they ever talk to you about their finances? Now you picked that all up. That was really your major... Uh, training in uh, in finances. Now, you either did one of two things with that. You either embraced it and said, I like the way my parents handle finances. Now, that's either a good or bad thing, depending on how they manage finances, right? Or you rejected it. I talked with somebody this past year. They were talking about financial issues. And this person rejected the way his parents handled Finances. They didn't do a very good job handling their finances. So he became extremely tight in the way he handled finances. And he started to worship money by, again, being very, very secure, uh, putting the money away. 
leads a pretty austere life. But again, he's worshiping money in response to his parents not handling money correctly. So either you're going to embrace how your parents trained you or you're going to reject it. And the question is, is it biblical? They can put you in a bad place or put you in a good place. And really, for us who are parents, this is a reminder. We've got to teach our kids about how to manage money. We've got to take some principles from this series and, and teach them how to do it. So they might not make some of the mistakes uh, that we have. The third reason we get into trouble uh, with money is our culture. Our culture is all about easy credit. It's all about don't worry about tomorrow. It's all about, hey, you need to upgrade your lifestyle. You need to have a better lifestyle. You need to have better experiences. You need to have better stuff. And you need to have better security. You've got to continue to work on those things and make that the primary part of your life. And if you're going to do that, you have to go in to debt. And as I said before, it's destroying us. You think about our governmental leaders. Are they a good model in managing money? Well, obviously, they're not. And so we get all mad at Washington, and right now in the middle of all these presidential uh, presidential races that's going on, and they're talking a lot about money and finances and jobs. But friends, it's so easy to blame Washington. We've got to remember, we put them there. Okay? We elected them. And the majority of Americans, they say, we don't want you to tax us anymore. But we don't mind the benefits. Okay? And don't take our benefits away. I know not, everybody's not like that, but the majority of Americans say, I don't want any taxes, but don't take any of my benefits away. That's the way we are. We're all sucked into it. It permeates our culture, ourselves, our government, our institutions. And that's why... This is so important that we study the Word of God, realize what God has to say about debt and about managing money, and so we can transform our individual lives and hopefully our children's lives and encourage others along the way. So, what would be the perfect government? Well, the perfect government would be when God was in charge. And God was in charge. Remember back in the Old Testament? He was the king of the Israelites for hundreds of years. So we can get some insight into what a great nation would look like. And God had a conditional relationship with the Israelites. He basically said, okay, if you guys worship me, and that's what God wants is our heart. That's why we talk about money, because money's tied to the heart, right? If you guys worship me, if you obey me, if you're faithful to me and don't go chasing after other gods, I am going to bless you. In the Old Testament, we said we see promises about blessing them with children. Children were a big deal back then in terms of having a lot of kids. And they loved a lot of kids. So God said, if you follow me and obey me, I'm going to give you a lot of kids. And I'm going to give you wonderful bumper crops. And they were an agricultural society. And that's what God said, I'll provide. And I'll give you peace. I'll protect you from your enemies if you'll just obey me. Look at this verse in Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. It says, The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of His bounty, to send rain on your land and season, and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. Now, there's a key statement right there, guys. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. 
That is the ideal government. That's the ideal situation where you don't have to borrow any money. But you can give. You can be generous toward other people. So that's what God's ideal is, is that we would have no debt. That's a blessed life. That's a blessed government. Of course, we're not living that way, many of us. And that's where the challenge comes in. Now, how do we move in that particular direction? Because our culture says you need debt to live the American dream. That is constantly communicated to us. You've got to go into debt to get the house you want, to get the car you want, to get the furniture you want. It's just the way of life. You ever heard anybody say, well, you're always going to have a car payment? It's just the way of life. No, it's not the way of life. It's what America says about life, but it's not what God says about life. Now, Let's look at another critical verse about this in Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a servant to the lender. Now, here's the interesting thing about our society. Back in the olden days, if you wanted to get ahead, you had to work really hard. You had to carefully spend your money. You had to carefully save your money, you really had to think in order to get ahead. You really had to put a lot of effort into it to upgrade your lifestyle. Now, today, what we need to do to upgrade our lifestyle is just sign our name. Right? Just with a stroke of the pen, we can upgrade our lifestyle. We can get the bigger house, the bigger car, the bigger vacation, whatever it is that we want. We can get it with a stroke of a pen, but here is the kicker. Verse 7, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, if you borrow money for any reason whatsoever, you become a slave to the lender. How many want to be a slave of anyone? Anybody out there? I'd like to be a slave. Yeah. The only person I want to be a slave to is Jesus Christ because He is my Savior and He is my Master and He is the key to life. I don't want to be a slave to anybody else. But who are we slaves to? Are you a slave to Visa? Are you a slave to Kohl's? Are you a slave to MasterCard? Are you a slave to a mortgage? Are you a slave to your car payment? I mean, it goes on and on, right? And when you have credit, what happens is, is that they're happy as long as you send the monthly bills. You'll never hear from them as long as you keep sending, and preferably the minimum bills, because then they'll make more money on the interest. Uh, but as long as you keep getting those, they're not going to be contacting you. Now, again, you're a slave to people you don't even know. They don't know you. They don't care about you. They're just, you're just another number in their calling queue uh, if they get disturbed about your, your, your uh, paying your bills. And, and that's what happens. Once you stop paying... They're going to contact you. They're very good about contacting you, aren't they? <laughs> they start to send letters. If you don't respond to that, then a collection agency. And then you got calls coming from different people. They want their money because you said that you were going to pay it back to them. And you have broken the contract. And to a certain degree, there's truth in that. We have broken the contract. And so they're coming after us. 
and, and they want their money. And we don't have money because we've been living beyond our means. We've been living the way the world has told us to live. They own you. Do you want anybody to own you? I don't want anybody to own me. People own me. Owning me. The thing about money, spending money, getting the debt, those things like that, there's no warning bells that go off. Remember Pinocchio? Pinocchio, whenever he told a lie, his nose would grow. Now, what if that really happened to us today? Whenever we told a lie, even a 1% pure white lie, okay, just a little bit, okay, the nose would just, you know, and a person, oh, I saw your nose grow, you're lying. I, my nose did not grow, I checked the mirror. <laughs> would you be lying to anybody? I don't think so. I don't think so. Or what about every time something uh, sinful came out of your mouth? What if your tongue started to swell? Right? You said something mean to somebody. And maybe you're wishing that upon your boss. It's so mean to you, you know? <laughs> the tongue would just fill them out. <laughs> I think that'd be a good thing, really. You know? Uh, or how about guys with lust? What if every time you lusted after a woman, your eyes grew? <laughs> you became bug-eyed. Your eyes just grew and grew. And Well, I tell you what, uh, we wouldn't be lusting or some of us would be wearing sunglasses and we knew what the problem was, right? <laughs> you know? Well, this is what I would love. I wish God would have done this. Now, we don't many times have pain in our exterior ear here. You have earaches and things of that nature, but this part of our ear doesn't usually hurt unless you get frostbite. But, but let's say that every time you're about to make a bad financial decision, your ears started to get warm. So, so you're sitting at the uh, dealership. You're about to buy a car that you can't afford. And all of a sudden, the ears start to get warm. You say, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a second. Bad decision coming here. Going to get in trouble. I, we got to get out of here, honey. <laughs> or you're going to sign up for another credit card. Oh, wait a second. Wouldn't that be great? But that's not the way it is. See, that's the problem with most of life. You reap what you sow, and, 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 and what, what happens is, is that you make bad financial decisions early in your life, and as you go through, and you can manage it, because what are the two questions when you buy anything? How much down and how much a month? We could care less what it costs. No, we care, care less about the interest. How much down and how much a month? Can I fit it into the budget? Can I move some things around? Can I find another $100 a month? That is where we're at. That's how we think. And that's okay because we can manage those monthly payments until we have some type of financial bump. And certainly what's happened in the last four years uh, was a bump for many of us in different ways. But we lose a job or uh, we have some big medical issue uh, come up. And then everything blows up. And I tell you what happens. Here's the truth. As you age, when you get into your 50s and your 60s, that's when it really comes home to roost. How you manage your finances as you head toward retirement. And we know there's a high percentage of Americans who retire without any money whatsoever because they bought into the lie that this culture sells and that they decide that they're going to run with because it feels good. But we don't want to go there. And for those of you who are younger, maybe 45, I'm just kidding, uh, 
<laughs> for those of you in your 20s, I'm trying to encourage myself. For those of you uh, in your 20s and your 30s, I tell you, boy, man, listen to this message at least five times, okay? Because you're thinking, hey, life is good, everything's going to be cool. And, uh, you're, bu- you're buying into the lie, you might not think it, but most people probably are. If you can get a hold of what I'm talking about today and what the Bible teaches about this, it will transform your financial life. It will enhance your relationship with God. It will help your future marriage, whatever it might be. If you are, let's say, if you're under 30, come and sit in the front row. (laughs) Just kidding. I mean, I, I just want to let you know how important this is. You've got to listen carefully. And you've got to take steps today. I don't care. I don't have any money. Well, that's great. That's a great place to start. Usually you don't have any money when you're in your 20s. Well, start there and, and do the things that God tells you uh, to do in managing money. Now, let's do a quick uh, history of credit. Did you know in the early 1700s that people actually went to prison here in the United States for having debts? We read uh, Abraham Johnson, white male, assigned the debtor's prison for six years until the debt is resolved, pay the amount of 200 for the purchase of a mule. And it goes on, Sarah Wright is sentenced to a debtor's prison for an indefinite period of time for habitual indebtedness for food, dry goods, and so forth, and could not pay for them. Hmm. Now, if you knew you were going to prison for your debts, if your visa bill got to $1,000 or 2000 or 3000 you're going to spend some time in jail, you think you'd be a lot more careful? I know I would, yeah. Uh, Dave Ramsey, we uh, have the Financial Peace University class, and he is such a dynamic teacher. We're going to talk about that class in a little bit here, but we're going to have it starting February 7th. Uh, he does a history of credit. Let me share a little bit about that with you. Back in 1910, uh, the Sears catalog, it stated, buying on credit is folly. Buying on credit is folly. He said, it's stupid. In fact, your great-grandparents thought buying on credit was a sin. Now, your grandparents thought it was just stupid. Your parents thought, well, maybe when we really, really need it. And, of course, many of us have bought uh, into it as we've grown up. It's just part of our culture now. 1915, Frank McNamara came up with a diner's club card, basically sold it to people or had people use it who lived in the New York area who ate at certain restaurants, and therefore they wouldn't have to pull out the cash to pay uh, the bill. They would just get the statement at the end of the month, and they would pay that off. It's still around today. Uh, Diners Club. Then in 1958, Bank AmeriCard was established. 1976, Bank AmeriCard changed to Visa. 1986, Sears started their own. They had some falling out with Visa. Uh, so they started uh, Discover. So when you think about it, easy credit in our nation, in a sense, has only been around for 60 years. 60 years. That's not very long, isn't it? But Look at how it's impacted all of us and how it's impacted our country. It's amazing. Let me give you an example from this past week. I went to Kohl's to buy some clothes. I think I spent about $100. And what is the first question the cashier asks you at Kohl's? How are you doing? Great to have you. Thanks for coming. The first thing out of her mouth is, would you like to sign up for a Kohl's credit card today? That's the first thing. I, she's wearing me down. <laughs> she continues to ask it. And, and, and then she says, hey, listen, if you sign up today, you're going to get 
$15 off. 15% on our dollars. 15% off. It's like, oh, how easy is this, right? I'm going to save $15. I'm being a responsible spender. I manage my money well. I'm saving money. And then she says, it's only going to take one minute. One minute. Oh, isn't that awesome? I can get all these benefits in one minute. I just signed a couple things. And yeah, we'll, send, we'll take care of it. We'll, we'll send your card in the mail and all that kind of stuff. And one minute. I don't have time to think about it in one minute. And that's the point. You don't have time to think about it. You sign away. And, and you think, oh, yeah, I'll pay the Kohl's card. I'll be like every other card you own. You know, just kind of, you know, as life crushes in, you say, well, I can't get that Kohl's card this month. You know how it goes. Now, look at this card. It says valued customer. I like that. Valued customer. What are some of the benefits? We've talked about them in the next slide here. Uh, we'll see 15% off, extra discounts, 120 annually. Itemize easy-to-read statements that you can... Well, right there, that sells me. I'm tired of my old credit card statements. Uh, I want something I can really understand. But do you know they have a gold card at Kohl's? Yeah, they have a gold card. Let's see it. Look at that. Most valued customer. I just don't want to be a valued customer. I want to be the most valued customer. Because, you see, if I had that, I'd go around and I'd look for somebody to help me. I'd say, hey, miss, miss, miss. Most valued customer helping shoes, and she'd come running, right? Oh, that's one of our most valued customers. And I commit. Now, this is my idea, okay? Nobody steal it from me. I'm going to copyright it. I really think Cole should do this. They do a great job of marketing their debt. Uh, I think what they should do is that if you have a most valued card, when you come to the line, you go straight to the, you go straight, uh, to the beginning of the line, right? You're next. You're next. Doesn't that make great sense? I, I would sign up, and I was like, okay. I never put anything on the card, but I would go always, always go to the beginning of the line, the front of the line. Oh, most valued customer, excuse me, excuse me. Yeah, I'd make everybody mad, and they get Kohl's cards. That's my idea, okay? All right. So, but you see, one other thing I want to say here is we need to rename credit cards. And if you have credit cards, I want you to rename your credit card. It's not a credit card. It's a financial pain card. It's a financial pain card. So write that on your credit card, financial pain card. So every time you take it out, oh, this is a financial pain card. Do I really want to use this? So we look at the, the Kohl's credit card uh, benefits. Now, if you're going to be a most valued one, you have to, you have to earn this pain, okay? $600 a year you have to at least spend. And then you get six personal sale days. I thought that was like they closed the whole store down for you, but they don't. Uh, save up to 107 annual. And then you get the premier newsletter, not the regular newsletter that the valued people get. You're most valued, right? Uh, now, again, friends, if you can get a credit card and pay it off every 30 days, you know, for convenience, that's fine. But many people don't do that. And that's where we fall in uh, to our challenges. Now, what you have to realize is that debt is a product. They're selling debt to you. When that little lady, but when that woman asked me, she asked me, you know, would you like to sign up uh, for a free Kohl's card or a Kohl's credit card uh, today? Uh, she asked in a very nice way. She's pleasant in appearance. What if she came up to me while I was, again, checking out, and she said, would you like to be the financial slave of Kohl's? Would you like... Us to be your master? I would run. I'd get out of there. I'm saying, this is creepy. 
But that's what they're asking you to do. They're asking, hey, can we be your, be your financial master? Can we own you in some way? Like when you walk into a car dealership. You, you know, they make very little uh, amount of money in their cars. They make very little profit. For example, uh, if you pay cash for a car, they only make about $100. If you uh, put it on payments, you make, they make about $700. And then if you lease the car, or as Dave Ramsey says, fleece the car, <laughs> they make $1,300. So their main, their main profit centers are the garage and the glass booth that you step into to, again, get that uh, wonderful credit uh, that you need to buy that particular car. We look at Proverbs 6, 1 uh, through 5. My son, if you have put up security uh, for your neighbor, that basically is co-signing. Uh, with someone. Uh, You never want to do that. But if you have put up security for your neighbor, if you have struck hands and pledged for another, if you have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, to free yourself. Since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands, go and humble yourself. Press your plea with your neighbor. Now, this would, of course, apply to our own personal debt. He's saying, that's a real problem that you've just stepped into. Co-signing with a neighbor, you need to take immediate action. You need to go to your neighbor and say, hey, I can't do this. Is there some way we can work this out? Then he goes on, verse 4. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. So allow no sleep to your eyes. So don't go to bed until you get this issue taken care of. Free yourself like a gazelle. What does a gazelle look like? That's a gazelle. And they move like 40 miles an hour. So you want to run. You want to run away. Why do you want to run so fast? Because you got this chasing you. That's right. you got the cheetah coming after you. And the cheetah wants to eat you. The cheetah is moving. And it's looking for you. You've got to be careful of the cheetah because the cheetah is financial pain. And and if you don't catch a clue, that cheetah is going to come and it's going to feast on you. And you don't want that. Some of you who are young, some of you who are just managing, everything's fine, you got your monthly payments going, the cheetah is sitting right over here. Okay? The cheetah is right there. He's watching you, just waiting for the right time. And you're saying, hey, what's wrong with life? You see, You've got to start running right now. You don't see a cheetah. You don't think about cheetahs. You've got to get like 50 miles ahead of the cheetah in order for you to have the financial life that God wants you to have. So I don't care who you are, how great your financial situation is. Do something today to make it better. Pray to the Lord. Ask Him for guidance because you cannot get far enough away from that cheetah. Because he's coming for you. So here's a challenge, guys. Please listen to my heart. Please listen to my heart. If you have not really initiated a very serious initiative to get out of debt, I want this to be the day, January 21st, 2012. You'll look back on this day and say, this was a day I get serious. And I know some of you are, are feeling so burdened and guilty. I mean, yeah, if you need to go to God and repent because you've been greedy and materialistic, we've all been there, right? Do that. 
Go to God and say, Lord, I messed up my finances. I am so sorry. You're still going to experience consequences, but it's going to be much less if you get God on board with you. So you repent, you turn, and, and you live life differently. And, and God is the only one who's going to help you get out of debt. Getting out of debt is extremely challenging. It's like going to school. It takes discipline. It takes controlling all these desires. You've had certain ways of thinking and approaching life over the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years. You've got to change. You've got to think differently about buying things and cut back and sacrifice and all those kind of things. It's hard work, but it is so much worth it. And I want you to take that first step today. Today I'm getting serious about it. What does that mean? Well, first of all, it's repentance. You need to repent to God if that's the case. Uh, secondly, you need to listen to this message again. It sound, you know, iTunes. You can download it and listen to it. And, and if your spouse isn't here, you need to share it uh, with them. And then you need uh, to get a hold of some good resources. In fact, uh, we've got some resources here on the web. Dave Ramsey will talk about his class in a minute here. But we're going to have the class here. But you can go on the website today. You're saying, I'm taking action today. You have to actually physically... Or mentally do something that's significant today to say, okay, January 21st, this is the day that I started really getting serious about getting control of debt. So you can go to his website. In fact, there's a preview of his class. That's that particular uh, URL, uh, about 25 minutes of his class. He is one of the most entertaining speakers. I mean, just, he just keeps you laughing. Uh, it's really great. Uh, also, some other ones are crown.org, Larry Burkett. He's gone to be with the Lord. But all his materials are on there. Master Your Money is Ron Blue. Uh, he's got great material. But again, check these things out. Now, one thing I really want to encourage you to do is be a part of Financial Peace University. So I'm going to have Mark Valdez come out at this point. And uh, appreciate Mark so much and uh, how he leads our Financial Peace University class. And I want you to tell... Uh, I want Mark to tell uh, his story, and then we'll talk a little bit about the class. Well, first of all, Dan, thanks. Uh, I really love that cheetah picture. That's very <laughs> appropriate. Um, it's good to be the gazelle when you get away, but uh, <laughs> if, if, if a cheetah's right behind you, it's not That's so good, right. is it? Um, my name is Mark Valdez. Um, I've uh, been married to my wife, Deanna, for 16 years now, and um, uh, like most people, when we first uh, got married, um, we started out... Uh, doing okay. We both had jobs, and um, you know we didn't have, really have much debt. We were just kind of doing life. Well, I was in the military, so we traveled a lot. So we went from apartments to condominiums to eventually buying homes. And as we moved along, you know, we, we either needed new furniture or you know a new car, all this other stuff. So we just kind of slowly and insidiously started picking up um, some debt. And um, nothing was a real big purchase. It just kind of just happened. And, uh, you know, every time uh, as I was moving along in my career, I'd get a $300 pay raise. I'd go out there and buy a $400 a month card payment. So it just, <laughs> right. just happened. You know, I was the American dream. I was doing exactly as I was told. And, um, you know, move ahead up into uh, so I'm about 40 years old. And, uh, you know, you wake up, you got three kids now. And uh, now I had um, several credit cards uh, with uh, debt on them. I had a 401K loan. Um, I had... Um, uh, two car payments and a 30-year uh, interest-only mortgage, which uh, is every time I say that, I'm just shocked that I was part of that that piece of history for the United States. But yes, I was part of that, definitely. So, uh, yeah, I um, it was it was a 
uh, an interesting awakening. And, you know, I was I had a great credit score. I mean, I could go out there and buy anything I wanted. Yeah, yeah. I just couldn't afford it. Yeah, yeah. How was it impacting your life emotionally? Well, it was, uh, it, you know, I've, Dan and I have always had a great marriage, but uh, it definitely um, created some stress. You know, uh, whenever a life event would happen where transmission would go bad on the car or, uh, you know, the roof would have a leak or something like that, it created quite a bit of stress in our life. And um, Dan and I, as we were growing spiritually too, you know, we were um, we wanted to be able to give money to the kingdom of uh, of God, and we just, uh, you know, as I looked at our our uh, income, you know, everything I made went back out as far as uh, payments. So we really had no money left at the end of the month to give to the kingdom of God, and it really started uh, becoming frustrating for us that we we couldn't do something that we really, really wanted yeah. to do. Now, as you know, I'm challenging people here who've never taken that first day, uh, the first day to make that decision, uh, to get out of debt, to really get serious about it. Do you remember a day like that in your life? Um, absolutely. We uh, we had just um, uh, left church, and, and it wasn't specifically, as I said earlier, it wasn't a, a, a financial series we were going through anywhere here, but uh, it was definitely on Deanna and my hearts that we just were not doing what we wanted to do uh, for the kingdom of God. So... Um, I, I dropped off at home and said, honey, I'm going to head out to Crystal Lake. I'm going out over on Route 14 to Barnes & Noble, and I'm going to find a book. And we're going to get some training on this. We're going to find a way to, to get ourselves out of this mess. So I went over there, and, you know, Barnes & Noble's giant store, and I'm looking at the self-help section of finance. And, you know, it was really intimidating. There's got to be thousands of books at least, you know, with uh, information, and everybody's got a way. And there's a bunch of get-rich-quick stuff out there, too. And um, so I just, this one book I saw, I pulled it out, and it was Dave Ramsey, and the book's called The Total Money Makeover. And um, so I started thumbing through it, and I realized there was scripture in this book. I'm like, wow, this is different than uh, most of these other books, and uh, this definitely aligns with my values. So um, I took the book home. I read it. Very simple, you know, nothing too uh, complicated in it. Uh, then Deanna read it, and we started off um, doing, the, doing the course. And... Um, we, we did okay. We, we really didn't thrive at it. Um, uh, and I think it was because we really hadn't done something together. We individually read the book, but it wasn't together. So um, I was away on a trip, and Deanna um, tells me, she's on the phone, she says, you're not going to believe it, uh, but Financial Peace University is coming to Springbrook. And this is something I had always wanted to do. I knew about the course after I got the book, and so I was very excited. So um, Deanna and I signed up for it. And immediately we took the class, and uh, it was just a wonderful time. We, we really enjoyed it, um, and uh, we, it definitely um, strengthened our marriage. And as I found out, you know, the communication stuff that we gained from the course wasn't all just financial, but it was other parts of our life, too. So as soon as we started opening up some doors, other doors opened up, and we were communicating uh, better. And we were working as a team on this goal um, to get ourselves out of debt. And uh, as we sit here today, um, we've done that. We have no debt. We've um, paid off all of our credit cards. We have no car payments, no 401K loans, and uh, our house is now on a 15-year mortgage. And most importantly is that now we have money to give to the kingdom of the Lord, and that was our goal. All right. Let's praise God for that, huh? You know, Mark, I appreciate your transparency uh, so much about the financial challenges you went through because there are people out here who are really struggling and, and they can relate to that, the, the, the challenges that you had. And, and, and as I said, there's hope. And, and I really believe this Financial Peace University class, uh, it can really change lives. Let's take a look 
at a video. There's need all around us. Our towns, our cities, our communities need freedom. What could the people of God do for the kingdom of God if we didn't carry a mortgage, didn't have a car note? What could you do if you had six months' worth of expenses saved up? What kind of impact could you have on the world around you if you were free to give? You can be. It's time for us as believers to give like never before. Your church is now hosting a Financial Peace University class that offers practical steps out of debt and into a life of saving and wealth. In just the first 13 weeks, the average family pays off $5,300 in debt and saves $2,700. We all want to leave a legacy for our families, our church, and our communities for the glory of God. Financial Peace is one tool to help you do just that. When we're free, we're free to help others out. We're free to love. We can reach out with the hands of Jesus in powerful new ways. We can feed. We can clothe. We can give. We're going to be free. One family, one church, one community at a time. This is the great recovery. It starts with faith. It starts with action. It starts with you. Mark, tell us more about the class. Well, you know, it's funny. We were just watching that video, and I just got chills when I said, Dave, you're, you're free to give because that's just been a blessing because we've had some opportunities to do that. Uh, and uh, it's just a wonderful thing that I never got to do before. So I just want to show that. It was really, really neat stuff. So Financial Peace University is a um, 13-week class. We teach it right here in Springbrook. It's here in the auditorium. We're going to start uh, on February the 7th. It runs from 6.30 to 8.30, so it's just two hours a week. And um, if child care is an issue for you, don't worry about that. We've got free child care, so that is taken care of. Um, the class does have a fee. It costs $99, um, and that is for the materials. That is what we pay for the class, so it's not a profit thing for Springbrook. It's what we pay. So, um, But I understand that, especially if you've got debt, when you, someone says, hey, take this class for $99, that doesn't ring too well, you know. But uh, what I want to tell you is, first of all, if you cannot afford this class, no matter what, Come talk to me. We will get you in this class, okay? Um, if you want to take this class and you want to make payments, that's not an issue. And also, if, uh, if you're doing fine and you want to uh, just buy the materials, then that is great. We have them here. Um, you know, we've put, um, in the last couple of years, over 300 people through this class right here in this auditorium. That's great. And I have seen it change lives, you know, um, from um, single mo- or sorry, moms that, uh, that had wanted to stay home with their children but had to work because uh, they needed both incomes to support their debt uh, to them being able to stay home. I've seen people um, get out of debt um, and start uh, taking control of their lives, and it gives them hope, and uh, it's just a wonderful thing. So um, I highly encourage you that if it's even on your th- uh, thinking about it at all that you, you do it now because the sooner you do it, the more... Uh, benefits you're going to get out of it. Now, um, is this just for people who are struggling with their finances? That's a great question because absolutely not. Um, If you kind of break down our classes, our typical classes into numbers, um, 20% of the people that take the class are actually in financial duress. Um, They're having a hard time making their payments, um, and they've got some issues. Um, And what the class does for them is it gives them hope. It gives them less their options. It gives them a way out of it. Um, then the, about 60% of the people that take this class are in the situation like me. They were making their payments. They're doing fine. 
but they just don't have any money left at the end of the month. They have no real margin in their life uh, for those emergencies that come along. So, um, And then uh, that finishing out that top 20% we have are people that have done really well. Um, some of them even have had their houses paid off. Um, but they wanted to learn more about uh, finance, and that's why this course is amazing because it, um, it covers everything from, obviously it talks about debt, but we talk about insurance, what kind you should have, what kind you shouldn't have. We talk about life insurance, medical insurance. We talk about investment vehicles, what, what is good, what is bad, what to stay away from. We talk about real estate. We talk about buying habits, um, definitely communications with your spouse, um, if that's applicable. Um, there's just so much material in here. It's a full education. So um, I just... Uh, I can't say enough about it that, uh, that uh, if you're wherever you fall into these groups, that uh, if you even have a, the slightest desire that, uh, that you do it. Now, as I look out here in the auditorium, I see a lot of faces that have already taken this class before. Oh, and, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing, and it really can uh, change your life. And also, like I said, if you're frustrated with your abilities um, for the kingdom of God uh, to give resources and stuff, this is definitely the ticket. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate your leadership, brother. Yeah. Let's give him a hand. This class, I believe, is the best step that you can take in getting out of debt. It's a hard job. It takes motivation, inspiration. You've got to continue week after week. And there's two reasons people usually say no to this class. First of all, time, commitment. Well, you know how I feel about that. This is your best investment that you can make. Other people feel embarrassed, even though it's for anybody who wants to come, and a lot of different people come, people who are really struggling, people who are doing well. Uh, that sometimes is an issue. I tell you what, friends, if you cannot make it on Tuesday night, you can go on the FPU website, and there's a lot of churches in this area who are offering this class this winter. If you, if you can't come to ours, for whatever reason it might be, find another Class. There, I saw a class on Wednesday. Uh, Will Huntley has it out here. Uh, Crystal Lake uh, Free Church has it. Find a class somewhere. As soon as you can do it, take the class. And I believe God is going to work through it. Take, take a step today. Make a decision. Let's have our ushers come forward as we generously give to Him. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the time of being able to study your word, and I pray for those who are struggling right now and they want to make a decision, but they got all kinds of things going on in their head. I just pray that you would solidify all their thoughts and desires and that you would fill them with the energy and the direction they need to make a decision today. No longer live with this in this financial jail, with this financial burden, but say today is a day that God is going to move me into financial freedom. In Christ's name, amen. Now we're going to have Rich Ruler come out and tell us what's going on at Springbrook.